Welcome to Aphesis Church Podcast Channel. If you're in Columbia, South Carolina area, we would love to get to know you better and for you to experience what Aphesis is all about. If you would like more information about us, please visit our website at aphesischurch.com. It is our prayer that this message truly speaks to you. God bless. I will not be long. Amen. As long as you stay out of them seats. (laughs) They, uh, I know the, the strange things, the thing about new chairs is, you know, Sister Hube and I were joking this morning, they feel like cardboard right now, but, uh, hopefully they'll get, you know, nice and broken in. So when you feel that little itch, it's not the chair, it's the Holy Ghost telling you to stand up and worship. Amen. Amen. So let's, uh, let's have a good time in the Lord today. I, uh, I woke up this morning. I'm not going to lie. I don't know if uh, my wife and I went out last night celebrating our uh, anniversary. Finally, it was actually on Tuesday, but it was a busy week for us. But um, we were able to go out last night and have a meal. And uh, I don't know if I ate some bad steak or some bad cheese, but I tell you what, I didn't feel too good this morning. Amen. But um, by faith, I'm believing that the Lord's going to help me through this. Amen. And give me some strength. I'm in the house with some people of like-minded faith. I know I got some help this morning. Amen. Amen. You guys are going to get behind the word. I believe that. Psalm 140, 4 through 5. Keep me, O Lord, from the hands of the wicked. Preserve me from the violent man who have purpose to overthrow my goings. Verse 5. The proud have hid a snare for me and cords. They have spread a net by the wayside. They have set Gins for me, Selah. Jump into uh, Psalm 124, verse 7. Says, Our soul has escaped as a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken, and we have escaped. Amen. Would you put your Bibles down and stretch your hand toward heaven and thank God. Thank God that he does not allow us to stay stuck in our mess. Amen. But by his by his power, by his will, amen, he is able to pull us out of the pit, to pull us out of that miry clay, to set us, as the old timers say, on that rock to stay. Amen. Would you worship the Lord? Lord, we love you today. We need you today, God. We pray, Jesus, that you would have your way in this service. Begin to move as only you can, God. We're here to worship you. We're here to glorify you. We're here to magnify you, God. It's because of you that we have the ability to overcome. It's because of you that we have the ability to men to rise up, to no longer stay in our mess. But God, you've promised in your word that if we would put our faith in you, we shall overcome. We shall overcome. In Jesus' name, would you clap your hands one more time unto the Lord? Amen. You may be seated today. Praise God. As I prepared and studied here, and spent time with the Lord, I felt him dealing with me to preach to the one today who feels stuck. I felt him dealing with me to preach to the one who feels like, no matter what you do, I can't get out of this mess. I can't get out of my wilderness. He told me to preach to the one who feels trapped. Preach to the one who feels the weight of their choices or the choices of others weighing on them. Preach to the one who wants to be free from the cycle of self-loathing and loneliness and heartache and fear and dread. 
Preach to the one who feels like they're teetering on the edge of something great, something miraculous, something otherworldly, something that, that when you look back and you see, hey, look what the Lord has done. You say, hey, that was the Lord. It wasn't me. That's the one I want to preach to, the one who can just feel it in the spiritual realm that you're on the verge of something miraculous. You're on the verge of something new. You're on the verge of a, of a, of a, of a new life in Christ. You're on the verge of overcoming that, that stuckness that you feel. You're on the verge of experiencing triumph. He says, preach to the one whose potential is trapped at the launch point. Preach to that one. And if I had a mirror in my pocket, I'd hold it up and preach to myself. Because there are times, the truth of the matter is, there are times in our life where we come to a place where we feel stuck. We feel like just we can't go left. We can't go right. We can't move forward. We can't move backward. We're just, we're just stuck in a rut, stuck in our mess, stuck in our, in our fear and our anxiety. But God has a way of dealing with those who feel stuck. And there may be a, it may be a cycle. There may be a, a season in your life when you come to that. But I can I want to give you hope today and hopefully help you walk away this morning feeling unstuck. Amen. Help you walk away feeling like God has given you the victory. And he has. He already has. The very fact that you woke up this morning with breath in your lungs. And we sang it today. It's your breath in my lungs. It's your breath that I feel flowing through me. It's your breath of life that gives me the ability to overcome. It's the breath of life that gives me the ability to rise up in the morning and say, Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Though I may find myself in the valley, surrounded by death, surrounded by fear, surrounded by anxiety, though I find myself in this mess, I trust and believe that God will and he can and he will. Amen. We come to these points in our life where we feel stuck in our wilderness. And I'm going to talk about the people of Israel today. If I have time here, talk about how they, how God brought them out of their wilderness. But I can, I can think of a story. I grew up um, in the projects, and we moved around a lot. I, I wasn't a military family, but the way my mom moved, I don't know, she just, man, seems like every year we were in a new place. And uh, I remember one place in particular, it's a place called Carver Court. A lot of the projects always called Court. I don't know, just random thoughts. We, uh, we actually had a chance to go there recently. Uh, we were in Orlando um, with family for vacation, and we drove by some of the old places we lived, and I mean, the place is just totally new. The projects don't even exist there anymore. They've turned, turned it into some type of park, and they've got high-rise apartments. I'm like, man, what, where were you, you know, 20 years ago when I was here? But I remember being stuck in the bathroom in, uh, in this old dilapidated building, my, which was our apartment unit. And uh, it was known that, you know, sometimes the door tends to get a little stuck. And this one day in particular, I'm wrapping up, washing my hands, and I go to turn the knob, and it uh, doesn't give. And you gotta, you gotta think too that, and put this in your mind, our bathroom was probably the size of this, this drum cage. So it was really tiny, and you, it had all the things you needed, toilet, shower, sink all stuffed in that little tiny space. And I don't know if I was claustrophobic before this, but I tell you what, since that day, I'm, I'm, I'm claustrophobic because that door did not give. And I started bamming on the door, hey, let me out of here. I hear my brother, 
<laughs> my brother, I can hear him on the other side of the door, you know. What? Quit playing, man. I thought I'm thinking he's playing with me. You know, that's that's what older brothers do. They tease you and they make fun of you and they they sing thriller and stuff in, in, in the you know. Yeah, I know what I'm talking about. It's terrified of that Michael Jackson song. But that's what that's what brothers do. They tease you. And so I'm thinking he's he's teasing me. I'm saying, man, you better let me out of this bathroom. And I look back, and our window, there was a window above the above the uh the, the tub. And I, I tell you what, I had to be about eight inches in length, maybe four inches in width. I wouldn't have fit, but I would have made myself fit to get out of that bathroom. And I'm banging on the door, I'm banging on the door, and I'm crying, and I'm banging on the door, and it's still not given, and then just with a little bit of a, of a click, door opens up, and I walk out. But I tell that story because in there, I'm struggling so hard to hear what my brother is telling me to do. He's giving me instructions on how to get myself out of my stuckness. And I tell you that story to tell you that if you, if you could truly just, just truly for a second entertain the voice of God, he will tell you exactly what you need to do to get out of your mess. If you would just, just tune in to that voice on the other side of the door, he will tell you exactly what you need to do to get out of that mess. And I can think of the children of Israel as they wandered around the wilderness for 40 years. No doubt promised, the promised land was, was just over the horizon, just beyond their, their vision. They could see the walls of Canaan, and, and we call it Canaan, but we, they could see the walls as they began to approach and walk in circles around in the wilderness. That place which was guarded by God's judgment, they couldn't access it because of their disobedience. And we know this story. And Pastor actually preached on this a couple weeks ago, uh, 40 days plus. I think it was plus four or plus two or whatever it was. They were, or however long they were in the, in, the, in the wilderness. But like the Eden story, when, when God said, hey, you can't pass this place anymore because of your disobedience, they couldn't access the promised land. They couldn't access the promise. But unlike Eden, the Eden story, they would be allowed to enter, but first they would have to go through a little bit of a cycle. And this is the point of, of your stuckness. Sometimes you've got to be willing to just put your left foot and your right foot, one in front of the over, other, and be, be willing to walk around that, that, that promise. Be willing to walk around. Because sometimes, see, the promise is just beyond the problem. I'm going to say that again. Sometimes the promise is just beyond your problem. If you would be willing to walk and trust and walk and trust and lean not on your own understanding, but be willing to do what thus saith the Lord. If he says walk for six days and don't speak, you better walk for six days and don't speak. But on that seventh day, when he says you better shout, you better lift up your voice. You better lift up your heart. You better lift up some praise and shout Jesus. You've got to be willing to walk around that problem. You see, God takes the people through the process of being recreated. Job, I'm sorry, Joshua chapter 5, verses 2 through 3. It says, at that time, the Lord said unto Joshua, make these sharp knives and circumcise again the children of Israel the second time. 
And Joshua made him sharp knives and circumcised the children of Israel at the hill of the foreskins. Verse 9, and the Lord said unto Joshua, this day I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from off you. Wherefore, the name of this place shall be called Gilgal. What you need to understand about Gilgal is that, yes, it is a place that means rolling, which is why they use the name and, and God designated that place for a reason. But it also means to be recreated. So in this process, God is taking them through the process of being recreated, and he rolls away the reproach of Egypt. Well, what's the reproach of Egypt? It's the disgrace. It's the shame. It's the scorn. It's that feeling of feeling stuck in a rut, stuck in a mess. God say, I rolled away this reproach from off of you this day, and we understand how circumcision works. And this was not the second time that these individuals have been circumcised, but as a nation, this would be the second time. Why? Because the elders, the firsts, they disobeyed God. And so they wondered. They were the reason why they were wondering. God says, now that you've been separated from your shame, now that you've been separated from your disgrace, now that you've been separated from your scorn, now you can be joined to me. And in fact, if you look back at Joshua chapter 3, it says that it came to pass that after three days, this is verse 2, I didn't give this to you, it came, back, came to pass after three days that the officers went through the host. What happens is only before they crossed over into the Jordan, God set them up. For three days, and he spoke to the people. He spoke to the prophet. And there's a, there's, a, there's a pattern here. Because just like in three days, Jesus Christ was in the tomb, and he came out victorious, conquered death, hell in the grave. We preached that, and we loved that. But anytime you look at and actually, you use a scripture this morning, Pastor. I don't remember where it was. But you use a scripture this morning where for three days, it was Paul. In Straight Street, I'm just going, hey, I'm just going as the spirit moves. It was Paul on Straight Street. For three days, God dealt with him, and he left him alone. Why does it seem that that conversion takes three days or a multiple of three days? Because we know that six is a multiple of three. And I'm going to talk about how God would take the people around the city, take the people around Jericho for six days. Double conversion. Man, y'all ain't with me. Y'all ain't with me. Y'all ain't with me. Y'all ain't with me. Mm. God wants to take you through a process of conversion. Okay? There's a process that God wants us to understand, that God wants us to move through in order for us to come out of our stuck state. God gives the people a taste of what it's like to live in promise. Look at Joshua chapter 5, verses 10 through 12. Now the children of Israel camped in Gilgal and kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month at twilight of the plains of Jericho. And they ate of the produce of the land on the day after the Passover, unleavened bread and parched grain on the very same day. Verse 12. Then manna, the manna ceased on the day after they had eaten the produce of the land. Watch this. And the children of Israel no longer had manna. And I've preached this before, that manna represented the, the confused state. In fact, they said to themselves when they saw it, what is it? But see here, God says, no longer will you be confused about your identity. No longer will you be confused about who's and who you are. No longer will you be confused about what I, the plan that I have for you. You're not going to eat this, this confusing food anymore. But what does it say next? But they ate the food of the land of Canaan that year. God gives them a taste of the promise, and they're not even in the promise yet. Every day that we live for God here on this earth, every day 
that we live for God. There's the caveat. Every day that we live for God here is a taste of what it will be like when we finally reach the shores of eternal promise. It's just a taste. It's just a taste of the promise. That's why I love, I love being in here with people of like-minded faith coming into the church, coming into the house to worship God, because this is what, this is a picture of what heaven's going to be like. Pastor, I love the diversity that I see in this church. And in fact, I had a conversation with one of my neighbors this week, and I, I was talking to him and, and learned some things from him. And, and one, of the, one of the things that came up was the lack of diversity in churches. And I said, whoo, I'm glad I'm here, because you know why? I get to brag on my church, because we are a diverse church. We've got people from all walks of life. We've got brown skin, white skin, black skin. We've got yellow skin. We've got everybody here. And I love that because it's a picture of what heaven's going to be like. We get to taste. We get to taste the promise every day that we live for God. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. You see, but sometimes we come to and we get stuck. And I want to, I want to, I want to, as they say, I want to normalize how we get stuck sometimes. And if you know anything about me, you know that I, I value people's perspectives and I value where your mind state is. I pray for each and every one of you because I know that we all go through. Nobody in here is living, living this, this high life. Why? Because we're not in promise yet. But we all struggle. We all have issues. We all get stuck sometime. So I want to I wanna normalize that and say, good deal, you're human. Good job, you're human. If you feel stuck or you come to that place where you just say, God, I can't, I, I don't know where to move. I'm, I'm stuck. But God says, you know what? He has a way of dealing with bullies. The bully of fear. The bully of anxiety. The bully of depression, self-loathing. God has a way. How do you, how do you, I tell my boys all the time, how do you deal with a bully? How do you stand up to a bully? It's not by lying down, that's for sure. You stand up. You stand up to that bully. You stand up to that fear in your life. You stand up to that anxiety in your life. And you say, come no further. Because God has promised that he's going to bring you out of that stuckness. When that weight of that, that pressure begins to weigh on you. You just lift your hands and begin to worship. You just lift your hands and begin to call on his name. Amen. You know, pastor talked about it this morning about when you come into a Pentecostal church, sometimes, you know, you, you got to get used to this and, you know, and kind of dancing a little bit, you know, and a little, you know, you got to get used to that. Why? Because when we, and you know what, let me say this too, to, to you, some of you, who would cross your hands in the presence of God. Just know this, heaven's not going to be that way. But, 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 but let me add to it. Let me say this. The reason you're crossing your hands is because you feel tension. And the reason you feel tension is because your body wants to praise. And so when you feel that tension and you cross your arms, what you need to do is the opposite. You need to lift your hands and begin to worship the Lord. You need to lift your hands and begin to call on his name. You can't go against what your body wants to do. Don't stop that praise. Don't stop your worship. You lift those hands. Man, I wish I had some help. Let me get back to the message. That was free. Heaven's not going to be that way. 
This is what God says if you feel like you're stuck in fear. Proverbs 29, 25. The fear of man bringeth a snare, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord won't be safe. Might be safe. You know, in legal terms, when you see in a contract, shall, that means it has to happen. It has to happen. So when you put your trust in the Lord, you shall be safe. Don't fear. What if you feel stuck in comparison? Deuteronomy 14.2, for thou art an holy people unto the Lord thy God, and the Lord hath chosen thee to be a peculiar people unto himself above all the nations that are upon the earth. First Peter 2, 9 through 10. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Verse 10. Which in time past were not a people. We didn't have an identity. But are now the people of God. Which had not obtained mercy but now have obtained mercy. What you comparing yourself to others for? This is your identity. And if you forget it, print it out and plaster it on your wall. So you can remember, this is what God says about you. You are a chosen people, a, ro a royal priesthood, a chosen generation, a holy nation, a peculiar people. Yes. To show forth the praises of him. <laughs> if you feel stuck in anger, James 1, 19 through 20. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Verse 20, for the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Don't get stuck in your bitterness. You want to walk in righteousness? You want to walk after God? You want to walk after his precepts and commandments? You can't be walking around here bitter and mad and upset. Does nobody any good. Does you no good, and it does the world no good. Amen. You want to walk in righteousness. If you feel stuck today with abandonment issues and, and loneliness, John 14 and 18, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. I will come to you. And I feel that. Sometimes you feel lonely. You feel abandoned. You feel like, 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 you're, like you're in this world by yourself. And maybe more so I'm talking to the young people. But you're not alone. He says, I will not leave you. I will come to you. Do you understand that he is as close as the mention of his name? We shout it, but sometimes we can just say, Jesus. And before you even finish that phrase, He's already come. He's already come to you. You don't have to feel stuck in your loneliness. You don't have to feel stuck with your abandonment issues. God has promised that he will pull you out of that pit and that pit also. If you feel stuck in tragedy, Matthew 5, 4, blessed are they that mourn for they shall be comforted. If you feel stuck in the past, Isaiah 43, 18 through 19, remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? 
Do you not see the new thing that God is doing in your life? Do you not see the new thing, the, the, the authority that he's given you? Do you not see the new anointing, the new outpouring of his spirit? Do you not see and perceive what he is doing in your life? Look around you. You are blessed. You are blessed and highly favored. Come on now, y'all going to make me sing this morning. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Philippians 3, 13 through 14, brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal of the high prize for the upper call of God in Jesus Christ. I'm not worried about the past. Don't get stuck in the past. Don't forget your past so that you can look back and say, look what the Lord hath done. Don't sanitize your history from all the wrong and the violations that happened or might have happened. That's you. That's your past. But look where God has brought you. He's made a way. And he always makes a way. He always makes a way. He always makes a way. Whatever you're stuck in today, I want you to know that God can make a way. He never explained, you see, just how this wall of Jericho was going to fall. He never explains how. Was it an earthquake? Was it a, a, the, the, just the sheer vibration of all of the millions of voices that rang out that day? Were the, was the wall already compromised for the reductionist in us? Was the wall already compromised? He never says how he was going to do it, but he tells you what he was going to do. And the way, the way, mm, the what was the shout. He told us what to do. All we had to do, all they had to do was shout. And you see, shouting in and of itself doesn't bring down the walls, but a shout of faith will bring down the walls in your life. A shout of faith will bring down the walls in your life. Psalm 124, 1 through 8. A song of a sense of David. If it had not been for the Lord who was on your side, let Israel now say, he had to repeat it. If it had not been the Lord who was on your side, when men rose up against us, then they would have swallowed us alive. When their wrath was kindled against us, then the waters would have overwhelmed us. The stream would have gone over our soul. Then the swollen waters would have gone over our soul. Blessed be the Lord who has not given us as prey to their teeth. Our soul has escaped as a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken and we have escaped. Somebody should have shout it right there. Thank God that the snares are broken. Thank God that I'm no longer in chains. Thank God that I'm no longer stuck in my sin. Thank God that I'm no longer stuck in my past. Thank God that I'm no longer stuck in my mess. You see, because a wall is just a wall. If a wall can be built, it can be torn down. If a wall can be built up, it can be torn down. That same strength, that same strength that brought that brick and placed it one by one to build that wall again, that, that, that brought that wall for Israel was a problem. It was a problem. But the same strength that built that wall 
will be the same strength, the same strength to push and to, to tear that wall down. See, your problem is so big, you can't get over it. The depths of it is so vast, you can't go through it. The only solution is to tear it down. You can't walk up to it and just play with it. I think I can, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. A little engine that could, chug a chug, chug a chug, chug a chug. Come on, you think you can all you want to, but until you actually put some faith behind that shout, until you actually put some faith behind that, that praise, behind that swing, that thinking ain't going to do it. I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. But do you know the one who can? <laughs> Uh-oh, somebody's in trouble somebody's in trouble and I think it's the enemy because I think somebody somebody in here understands, is starting to understand and realize that you don't have to stay where you are you don't have to stay where you are come on but God wants to bring you out of your mess he wants to bring you to that wall he wants to make you walk around that problem so that you can kick it down and get to your promise this is what he wants to do in your life he wants to break that cycle of being stuck praise God Stuck again. Hallelujah. I'm stuck again. He wants to break that cycle. Understand that the children of Israel went through the wilderness for 40 years. 40 plus long years in a cycle. Joshua 6, 10. Joshua commanded the people saying, ye shall shout. You shall not shout nor make any noise with your voice. Neither shall any word proceed out of your mouth until the day I bid you shout. Then shall ye shout. Let me tell you something about silent but deadly desperation. You understand here that these people had a history of complaining. This is why they were circling and lost in the wilderness for 40 years anyway. It's because of all their complaints. They complained about water in Exodus chapter 17. And I'm going to skip through here. Uh, brother, pull up, put up uh, Exodus 17 verse 3. And the people thirsted. They thirsted there for water. And the people murmured against Moses and said, Wherefore is this that thou hast brought, me us, brought us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our cattle with thirst? And Moses cried unto the Lord saying, What shall I do with these people? They'd be almost ready to stone me. They complained about the man of God, Exodus 32, 1. And when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron and said unto him, Make us gods which shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we want not what is become of him. We don't know where this dude is. He's disappeared. They complained. They had a history of complaining. I believe that Joshua... <laughs> Joshua told these people, we're going to march. This is what the word of the Lord says. We're going to march around Jericho for six days. But while we're marching, I don't want you to say nothing. Some of you caught it. I believe Joshua had it in his heart. He remembered. You see, because he, he, he was a part of the one. It was a Joshua and Caleb. He was a part of the two that came up and said, we can take it. Right? He was a part of that, that, that crew. That said, we can take this land way back on in their earlier scriptures. We can take this land. But I, I believe that here in this moment, when they get ready to walk and march around the walls of Jericho, Joshua recalls all of that complaining. And he says, you know what? If I let these people speak, they're going to mess up this blessing. 
He says, you know what? Keep your mouth shut for six days. Because we're not going back. We're going through this wall. God says six days on the seventh is coming down. We're going through it. And we, you, you better not mess it up. Joshua did not want the people's proclivity for complaining to mess up their blessing. Don't open your mouth until we're ready to shout. Now y'all know how I feel about unity. Until we're ready to shout. If we don't shout together, this thing won't work. I believe that, I believe that all of those millions of people that were there, if one had unbelief, it wouldn't have happened. I believe that. It's not in the word. I just believe that because of the power of unity. But when we all together lift up our voice and when they all together lifted up their voice, that wall began to crumble. That wall began to come down. You see, when you get sick and tired of being shut up and hushed, you too will find the desperate fuel to open your mouth and shout. For six days, they didn't say nothing. Imagine walking around that that wall in silence. Not one utter. It, it's a miracle. We, we know he's the God of miracles. It's a miracle that none of the kiddos didn't scream out. Six days walking around that wall. All you could hear was the, the, the crumbling of pebbles and dirt under their feet. Sandals scraping across the ground. But not one word uttered. Not one word uttered. How would you like to just, just to ask for a cup of water? How would you like to just ask for some, something to eat? But Joshua told the people, don't say a word. How long can you sit quietly without needing to call somebody and, sh and just, just, just to say something, just to reach out? Because the truth of the matter is this. When we, when we find ourselves shut up, and shut down in life, there's a desperation inside of us that says, I've got to tell somebody what's happening. I've got to tell somebody what's going on. I've got to talk to somebody. But they couldn't. They couldn't because God and the man of God had told them not to say anything. Now Jericho, Joshua 6, 1 through 3, now Jericho was straightly shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. See, already they're operating in dominion. <laughs> already they're operating from a position of authority. These people are afraid because these, these millions of strangers are, are walking around their city. Already they have dominion and they haven't even stepped fully into their identity. And the Lord said unto Joshua, see, I have given into thine hand Jericho and the king thereof and the mighty men of valor. Verse three, and ye shall come past the city, all ye men of war, and go round about the city once. Thus shalt thou do for six days. This was a march of reflection, a march to say again, look what the Lord has done. A march to say, we were stuck in bondage. Now we're steps away from being unstuck. We were lost and cycling in the wilderness, but now we're just steps away, days away from our blessing. 400 plus 40 years of cycling, going through the motions, stuck in bondage, stuck in slavery, stuck outside of God's will. Generations of our people have been lost to the wilderness, 
lost and stuck in the cycle. But God says, get your feet moving. He says, put one foot in front of the other. Start marching around your problem so that you can get to your promise. Go ahead and intimidate your foe. Intimidate the one who would dare press you and make you stuck. This march would wear down the chains and lift up their spirits. And I, I want to preach that to somebody dead today. You need to march around your problem. You need to intimidate your problem. Don't be intimidated by your problem. You need to let that problem know who's in charge. You need to let that problem know who and whose you are. You need to let that problem know just what name you believe in. You need to let that problem know, that issue know, that situation know, that you're not going to be stuck any longer. You're not going to find yourself in this cycle of being stuck any longer, but you're going to come out. Why? Because you are a child of God. You're not going to be stuck anymore. Take up an offensive tactic of encirclement. And I'm, I'm wrapping up here in just a minute. Joshua chapter 6, verse 3 through 5, and you shall compass the city, all ye men of war, and go around the city once. Thus shalt thou do six days. And seven priests shall bear upon the ark seven trumpets of ram's horns. And the seventh day ye shall compass the city seven times, and the priests shall blow with the trumpets. And it shall come to pass that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, when ye hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout. And the wall of the city might come down. <laughs> the wall of the city shall fall down flat. And the people shall ascend up every man straight before him. You understand, this was a, this was a military tactic of intimidation. It was a military tactic of intimidation. Supplies can't reach the one being encircled. Nobody in, nobody out, as the scripture says. I want to ask you a question. What's fueling your stuck state? What resources are you allowing in your life to make you feel stuck? What resources, what, what things are you remembering to cause you to feel stuck? What things are you letting in? And better yet, what things aren't you letting out? I want you to think about that. What things are you letting in and what things aren't you letting out? Things that you need to let go and let God to get out of that stuck state. If your hand is stuck in a closed posture, in a position, then your spirit will be stuck too. But if you can ever get to the point where you can open up that hand and let God handle what it is that only he can handle. Newsflash, we're weak. We're fickle. But when he is, when we are weak, guess what? He is strong. Y'all know y'all word. What resources are fueling your problem? Why don't you realize the authority that you have in God? You see, because at this point, the people and the prophet were anointed with authority. The problem, therefore, was surrounded by God given authority. Let's all stand. If you don't feel like, if you don't feel like you can encircle your problem today, why don't you let God encircle your problem? Why don't you give it to God? 
Let him set up the authority. Let him tear down that wall. Joshua 6, 20. So the people, so the people shouted when the priests blew with the trumpets. And it came to pass when the people heard the sound of the trumpet and the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down flat just as he promised so that the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took that city. They took that promise. What problem has you weighted down today? Just like the children of Israel, God wants to break the cycle in your life of being stuck. He wants to break that cycle of being stuck in your life. Their problem, like their problem was eradicated. Your problem can be eradicated too. You don't have to feel stuck anymore. Amen. I feel like, I just feel like somebody needs to lift their hands and begin to thank him. Begin to thank him for his word. Begin to thank him for his promise. He doesn't want you to be stuck in your mess. He doesn't want you to be stuck in a rut. He doesn't want you to be stuck where you are. But he says, I want to do something new in you. Would you let me take those, those chains and those shackles off your feet? Would you trust me enough to, to walk step and, and, and walk in lockstep with me? Would you trust me enough to turn over that problem to me? Would you trust me enough to open your hands, to open your heart, to let me help you get unstuck? Amen. If you were encouraged by this message and you would like to connect with Ephesus Church or you would like to get in contact with the leadership of this church, please visit EphesusChurch.com. Thank you for being a part 